everybody and welcome back to Can You Put Me on Guest List. I am very sorry that there's been such a big break um, since the last podcast. Just summer season's taken over and I just didn't have time to edit. That's the honest truth. Um, I'm back on track now and I am aiming to do two a month. Um, and then when we get back to winter, I'll do a weekly one again. But yes, the podcast is back and I'm very, very excited to have the next guest with me. She's a very, very close friend of mine. She is also one of the most hardworking people that you will ever meet in your life. She's also one of the loveliest people that you'll ever meet in your life. And she's just somebody that I really admire and love very much. This week, my guest is Elizabeth Cyprian. What started as a dance floor chat led her to an incredible career in dance music. She was at the BPM Festival for six years, had so many different jobs at the BPM Festival from talent buyer, project manager, marketing PR, ticketing, box office logistics. And since ending her time with BPM, she's held her current position with McCorma Artist Management as the brand manager for Excel by Amelie Lenz. So, so much to cover, so much to talk about. I'm super excited to have her here with us. And yeah, I think this is going to be a really, really interesting chat because she has done so much, so much to tell. Um, so yeah, I hope you enjoy this podcast. Uh, this episode is brought to you by body training studio Ibiza with the summer season in full swing. It's just really hard to keep on top of training and editing, obviously, which is why body training studios, 20 minute full body EMS workout is perfect as it's a muscle building, toning and sculpting workout designed to reach your goals five to six times faster than a traditional workout. You burn up to 1,200 calories and work 80 to 95% of your muscle fibers in depth. Head over to bodytrainingstudio.be for more information and to book a trial. And now, here's the podcast. Enjoy. I see the lighting is better over here. This is yeah. manager moment. We're on the camera. This is manager. Do whatever feels best for you. You want to bet? The lighting looks nice like that. I know, but I just, yeah. Okay. What Good did morning. you want? <laughs> <laughs> what did you want? Like a solid color background? Of course, uh, I'm trying to be professional, like I would tell every other artist to do, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, so I'm not professional there. <laughs> Look at all the stuff I, all the drama I have. Like art and stuff, that's not, when you can see like my couch, probably a pair of socks I forgot to put away, you know, but like I feel, my journal. No, I think that's a nice background. I think for a podcast, you need a bit of like things happening. You want to be personal? Okay. Oh, shit. Do you know what, Liz? Yeah. You do you. Oh, darling. Story you, of my life. You do you. Do whatever you want to do. Okay, I'm ready. Hi, 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 hi. Back to the distracted background. Hi, In my hi. home, person. <laughs> How are you? Liz is my number one dancer. We have uh, various video clips together. We have one pending. It's we like 2023. Yeah, I know, but it's always an MTV moment with us, for sure. Always. Always. That's actually what I wish I was doing, was touring with Justin Timberlake and being a dancer, but here we are, you know? I would be with you. That's a true statement. (laughs) 
if you could have a dream job is that what it'd be a backup dance for justin timberlake oh my god without a doubt i mean like let me be clear for 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 during like my 20s when that that would have been amazing i would have said screw all of it if someone like found me backstage someone the dream is like dancing you know on the dance floor and you get like poached because your dancing is so good you have to tour with Justin Timberlake. And you're like, <laughs> no, like, I can't because I'm with Rihanna this weekend. But I, maybe I can fit yes. it in. Exactly. Make your be- My manager's email is this. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't, so that true. Be a dream? Wouldn't that be a dream? I think we could still do it, though. I think we have it in us. Yeah. Sure. But in the, my living room. The dancer's just... In my living room, at least. Yeah, but, yeah, of course, of course. But the problem is that the dancers just get younger, you know? Like, we get older, they stay the same age. Classic That's true. Here. We have uh, Michelle and Sophia to teach us. Yeah, it's exactly. Yeah, they would be, like, completely saying, of course, it's still possible if they were in the room with us right now. Imagine if we had a dance-off, me and you versus them. <laughs> I'm actually going to propose this. I think this is going to be a really good idea. I can, I can really, yes, help me in. We can do it when I'm in a visa together. So we're in the same, you know, like. Oh right, God. we can practice all summer. And then the end of the season, we'll be like, we have a surprise for you. And then we show them the dance. It's so good. Yes. And we each pick a character. Like, you could be Michelle, I could be Sophia. We yes. <laughs> yeah. We can break out into dance on DC Dance Dance Floor. <laughs> yes, baby, you know it. You know it. Are you okay? Uh, Where at? You're in Berlin, right? My home in Berlin. Um, it's sunny today. It's going to be 21 degrees. So everybody in the city will be ecstatic. And it's and Friday. Yeah, this... And it's Friday. <laughs> exactly. And no, but it's literally, it's like Berlin shifts as a city at this time of year because it's so dark and the winter is so long. And the yeah. moment there's sun, like, Everybody's on the street. They're happy. The coffee shops, terraces are full. Club Divisionaire opened yesterday. You know, I it's love like Club summer. Divisionaire. Oh. Yeah, and I was really thinking about this. It's such a crazy operation because they don't say. I mean, like they know generally they're checking the weather this time of year and deciding when they're going to open. But they I think they really decide it like truthfully a few nights before, and well, then they have a full Depending on program. the weather. Yeah, of course, because like in Berlin, you can't say, well, on May 1st, it will be beautiful weather and we're going to open. Like it yeah. can be a really beautiful day in April and sometimes they're like they did and now they're open. So I just was thinking about that. I'm like, how would you get a program? How would you get the artwork out? Like it's a. How do they do it then? I think it's because with CDV, they have so many. They have such a family there of DJs that are living in Berlin. And I think yeah. it's quite easy to just curate something quickly or ask for maybe a couple people to carry yeah. the night you know yeah I guess yeah but how long have you lived in Berlin for now <sighs> over five years really crazy yes I know shocking I would, I moved I would to have Berlin. said it was like two and a half three not five I, I, that's how long I thought I would be here but I moved here in um December 2017 mm. so it's over five years do you love it over there it's that everybody who lives in Berlin and has lived here for a long time and knows that they will probably never leave will say the same thing. It's a complicated city, and I love it. <laughs> they feel that. I mean, it because it's true. It's, and we like complications. Let's be fair. 
that just yeah I mean for me like coming from from Playa del Carmen from Mexico to Berlin which was an intentional culture shock but it was a real real culture shock going from like Mexicans to Germans also like in the dance music scene it's just it's complete Tulum and Berlin are very different places you You literally like literally from one extreme to the other Yes, to- it was that was the plan. <laughs> like that was totally the plan. I just wanted to flip the switch. Um, yeah, I mean Berlin. There's so much going on here, you know, and there's so many artists here, yeah. and and when it's a sunny day like this, we can all say we love it because we do love it. There, I, when I go to other places, when I go to other venues, and when I go to other clubs, I'm actually in shock that I'm a Berliner, and I'm like, oh, I'm Berlin. It's better. You know, it's for really minor things and for really different things. But yeah. like about sound systems, how the club is maintained, the aesthetic of the club, the vibe inside. Like there's a thing, the selection at the doors in Berlin, of course, is a very hot topic and very controversial. And I sometimes I think it's like, actually, I don't think it's silly because in the end, it really does control the vibe inside, you know? I imagine. Maybe that does. Well, I feel like it's a place where that could happen. I can't imagine there being like door control like that here in Ibiza because they're just like anyone and everyone. Oh, like, you got money? Come on in. Your friend has money. Okay, come on in, both of you. <laughs> <laughs> literally. <laughs> literally. But, but let's not be silly. Like there's, there's still an elitism and there's a hierarchy in Ibiza yeah. inside the club, but that's really based off of how much money you have, quite frankly, yeah. and who do you know? Like, or can you afford to get a VIP table or are you on the main dance floor? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Have uh, you been turned yeah. down at a door in Berlin before? Oh my God. It literally, I, I hate that you just asked me this because it <laughs> literally just happened for the first time. And I've been going, oh my God, I can't believe I'm going to be honest about this too. I'm such a good person. So like it literally just happened. I I don't remember four weeks ago three weeks ago I've been going to Berghain I live 10 minutes away like I'm a typical annoying person there every Sunday you go every and Sunday to Berghain I did for the, the nine months in between BPM and my current job with McCorma every Sunday really was, I, I, I promise you it's why I quit one of the reasons I left BPM is I was like I just want to be able to rave in Berghain without having to leave like I'm I'm serious and it's because <laughs> I'm so I'm so serious. And it's because I was like in shock of club culture. I'm American coming from Playa del Carmen, Tulum area yeah. to Berlin. I never got the European club culture. I didn't get to go to clubs when I was sneaking in when I was 16, 17, you know? So I was just like, and it's not that I didn't travel to Europe before, like even like, of course, in my 20s coming to Europe, but to live here, I was like, yeah. nobody works like I was like in shock Everybody's like, why do we have to leave the club on Monday I want to be like that I'm jealous like seriously so anyway yes I've been going for a very long time and just a few weeks ago same guy and if he's listening I hope you see my face and remember same guy who's let me in a million times just said not today and I was all excuse me the funniest thing is like then you immediately go through like am i i'm wearing a different jacket today oh i i was wearing lipstick and you know for me that's so weird for me to wear i had lipstick on but like you instantly go through these things and then the 
the best part is I come back two hours later on guest list though I get I find a guest list spot two hours later same bouncer and he lets me right in you know I'm just like, like I'm back bitches why did he yeah. let you in in the first place without no lipstick different jacket I have no idea That's maybe because actually no 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 I'm lying I'm lying I actually do know why because what well, I really feel like they can sense this and I was going because a group of friends were going that I hadn't seen in a while but quite frankly I shouldn't have been there like I had so much to do it was during a really busy month I had plans for my nice calm Sunday and I was like conflicted to go and this is also what I think people often say too is like they're really there they read that energy like my friend also just my friend also has been living in Berlin for 10 years he recently got sober he went he's also like He's a, a beautiful queer person. Like he's exactly what Bergheim is looking for, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, in more words or less. And he called me. He's like, oh my God, I just got rejected for the first time in 10 years. It was my first time trying to go sober. I wasn't very sure about it. So anyway, I think it's interesting. I think oh, it's interesting how they read, read you. Yeah. Also, when they also probably say your shoes are ugly, babe. You can't come in. Like it's, it's a bit of both, you know? <laughs> Crazy when you think about it though. Like their job really is not crazy. literally like their job is quite intense. If they're so, they have to like properly not just analyze what somebody looks like, but like you know your body language <laughs> and your energy and uh, totally. You know how do you approach the door? Are you calm? Are you confident? Are you smiling too much? Are you smiling just enough? I don't want to give all my tips on here because what if they're listening and then they're gonna be like, well, she's never getting in again He's now. Gonna... <laughs> you're gonna go to the door next time. You're like. You know, but I have just for time. It was my first time, and I will. Ne- I hope it never happens again. But it was shocking. It but was wait, shocking. so I love that you said, okay, I shouldn't have really been there because I had loads of stuff to do, and I had my calm Sunday. But you did still end up going anyway. Yeah, because I was so spiteful that they said no to me. I was like, "Fuck you! I'm getting. I belong in there." This <laughs> <laughs> home. So funny. It was really funny. So for people that are listening, they're obviously thinking, okay, so she's come from Tulum to Berlin. Let's talk about your time at Tulum and how you ended up there. Um, You were at BPM for how many years? Six years. Six years. But wait, was your first job in the music industry, was it straight at BPM or did you do anything before that? Yeah, like the first job that you can really accredit. Um, Okay. I was doing really small things in Vermont, like, I mean, in Vermont entire population is 600,000 of the entire state so like very small things um I worked with some friends there we had a crew called 2k deep and then I also helped a friend of mine in Vermont start um a festival called Rhino Fest but again we're talking like a few thousand people for either event so how did you do BPM yeah well I I went to backpack in Central America for five or six months and my first stop was BPM because I respect myself you know I had to start my my, my soul searching journey with the 10 day rave like not rave a party like on the beach so I went there I stayed in a hostel I had the program the printed program book every morning zoink, I woke up picked like four or five parties I would go to that day by myself went in had like literally I've only experienced this really twice in my life. And the most profound moment was BPM where I was somewhere and I was like, I have to be a part of this. Like, I have to be a part of BPM. 
that. It was so overwhelming. And then, you know, um, Andy, who used to manage Blue Parrot, you would recognize mm -hmm. him. He's mm -hmm. one of the like, or wasn't a founder, but he was like core management. Mm -hmm. He grabbed leaving one of the BPM parties and he said, who the fuck are you? And I was like, what? He's like, I see you coming into three or four events a day by yourself and leaving with a bunch of new people you're going to after party with. And I'm all, I'm going to be a part of BPM, you know? And he's like, yeah, whatever. And like we kept seeing each other. And the story is like, it was Danny Tanaglia playing Blue Parrot, uh, New Year's Eve, like 12 or 13 hours. It was sometime in the day in the first. And I see Andy and like, bless you, Andy, you're so goddamn good looking. I was like, oh my God, there's that cute guy who talked to me. So I ran up to him, you know? <laughs> he will then be my colleague for six years after this. But I run up to him. I'm like, hey, and he literally just goes, oh. and he hits this guy next to him who's dancing and says, you gotta meet her. And this person was Phil Politano, who is one of the co-founders of BPM. Wow. And Phil was vibing. Phil was like in his vibe. It was like, you know, they were celebrating the new year. And I just went up to him and I, blah, blah, blah. he handed me a business card and just to shut me up for sure. I took the business card, said, thank you very much. Walked away, backpacked for five months. And then when I returned to the States five months later, sent him an email and a resume where I lied about everything, everything. I'm Spanish. <laughs> I do parties of 5,000 people. Um, and I ended it. I ended it. I don't, I was 21. I, I didn't have any idea. I ended it with, you're an idiot if you don't hire me. Literally. <laughs> you actually put that at the end of the email. We read it over and over again, Phil and I. It's, it's real. <laughs> you're an idiot if you don't hire me, Elizabeth Cyprian. And I thought I'm never going to hear from this guy. He got back to me in like 10 minutes. It was, I, I get goosebumps. Like, I was like, what? Like, this is the best what? story ever. And I'm going to say what he said. And he maybe will be mad that I said it. But if anybody listening who knows Phil, it's so funny. He said, LOL, dot, dot, dot. I think I remember you. What were you wearing? <laughs> and I said, I said, I had lip sunglasses on big red lips I go red lip sunglasses he called me it's you <laughs> come down for an interview that's it that that's is the best house. story ever I was expecting you know no I started as an intern I actually never knew this story I had no idea that was the I know I was just what I was wondering if you knew this story no I never God. heard this story like generally never heard this before that is amazing <laughs> so funny it is so and it was like again I yeah <laughs> okay carry on carry on it was a pull I was just like I have to this is where I belong with these people with this event this event is changing how I see the world and I want to it was then where I realized I want to cultivate experiences where people can feel like this I want to help people experience this feeling of freedom and connection and going somewhere alone, but never being alone on a dance floor. Like that is like, ah, oh, it's still what inspires me every day, you know? That's why you're so yeah. good at what you do. Because you stick you. to Thanks. that. Yeah, it's true. You can see that. You're such a, like, and you know, just one of them people that wherever you are like whatever room you could walk into you light up any room and I'm not just saying that because we're friends you genuinely are like just a light 
and energy and you're just such a joy to be around and that's and that's because you're just very true to to yourself and what you do and that's why you're just so great and passionate Thank you. True. those values I come from a small town I come from a small community community has literally been my life I graduated high school with 34 people my hometown population is 1200 people that's a community you know yeah you've you grown up around community totally and I just felt like oh this dance community cultivates a similar feeling and a different way for me and like it just grabbed me so, so yeah and then BP like yeah you went down for the interview with Phil and then what happened what was your first oh my god so like right my Alan my interview was with Alessandra okay on the beach I, I I literally didn't live in Mexico yet I'm like fuck it packed my bags moved right. to Mexico got a job at a restaurant for one month while I was waiting for like the, um, the open call interviews that they were doing at a place called Texas Burger wait sorry so you moved to Mexico without actually having a job at BPM Oh, yeah, I didn't have it yet, but I knew I was going to get it. But yeah, they, they, he just said, come down for an interview. He just said, come down for an interview. Um, and so I did. And I got down there, like I said, a little bit earlier. So I got a job at a restaurant. Me and my French friend, I met there. And like, yeah, I went for the open call. It's just, it's so funny because everything that I went through to get my position with BPM and my story, I was then on the other side. You know, like hosting open casting call interviews that we did every year where hundreds of people would come down to Blue Para and line up. And there would be six of us. And we would just, there would be an English and Spanish section, Italian, French. It would all be pushing up by which languages they, everybody spoke. And we would bust through interviews. And that was the process that I was in. But obviously I nailed it. And <laughs> they put me, <clears throat> they put me in a will call at the box office. And I was just like, so fast and the yeah. girl jasmine who was managing the box office said to them like you better keep her full time and that was like and you that stayed. was it and i stayed for six but, years but just talk me through what your roles at bpm have been because obviously it's just you don't have to go into like full um like each part but like i would like to know how it started off and how and like what was the transition till the end what what phases did you go through so it started off merchandise manager, box off manager, box off and operations manager, box off operations marketing manager, talent buyer, talent buyer project manager. That's how I ended. So basically you've seen, done all of it. I did it. I'm, and I'm like, I'm so grateful for that mm. because it is that experience and, and I didn't go into detail, but I touched per getting permits. Like I touched every department within those six years of BPM. And mm -hmm. it was so apparent to me at that time that that meant like that the success of the event is based on all of these departments really working together and understanding each other's needs. Because I think a lot of time that's what happens, right? Like the production guys have their vision and their needs and their deadlines and their budgets that they need to reach. But if they're not correlating and talking with the ticketing manager and the box office and what's really expecting, what's really going to happen and how many attendees can you expect at certain events in different areas? Like it's just, everything's going to fail. Right. And then the marketing guys need to be queued up to, Hey, we need to understand, you know, like the different timing of the events 
and what that means also for like the photos and the videos and where to put your people, but when the venue will be busy and what do we know about the venue? When is it busy? I mean, it's just like, yeah, it's all this mess, right? And there's probably also like better examples of that, but that's what I do really day to day still is like make, so, I mean, I used to say at BPM, what, what what's your job? Making sure people are on the right emails with each other. Like that's like, you know, you need to talk to you and you have to talk to this person. Like, like connecting the dots, connecting everything. Yeah. No? Yeah. Connecting people. Definitely connecting everything and like making sure that the integrity of the brand is represented in each department. Mm. You know, when you go when you go check in for your ticket at Will Call at a box office, that's the first impression you have of a festival of an event. So those people better be aware of that. They set the tone before that person enters the venue. Next experience is either getting a scanned ticket or perhaps it's like buying tokens or going to the coat check. That's step two of getting like all of those lead in to if that person walks into the venue feeling like now let's party or God, that took hours and that was so annoying and they didn't tell us that, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, I never really thought, thought of stuff like that. Well, obviously yeah, you do, but that's something yeah, you would never really think about that. It's not. Yeah like these small parts and it's not just you know it's not all just about the production and what's on the lineup it's like right from the very beginning of of the of the client's experience disco come here sorry oh disco disco okay he's fun um so before you went into talent buying you were in marketing well i like managed the marketing and pr team i've always somehow ended up managing marketing and PR teams. And that's just because I'm all about brand ethos. And I've always been in whatever position I've had in music, pretty much right under the directors. So like the voice for the directors and then for the people, I don't want to say under, but like for the operating team mm. to hear what the directors need and vice versa, you know, and for the operating team to tell the directors what they need. And then from the marketing perspective, that's a lot of like ma managing what needs to be communicated, right? By yeah. knowing both sides. Yeah. So how did you manage and the from like from managing the PR and marketing team to talent buying? I don't know. Craig Pettigrew just called me one day and said, do you want to do this? And I said, okay, sure. <laughs> like, cool. I and he handed me a He told me of the lump sum of money that they were going to give me for the budget for buying talent. And I didn't really understand the structure of like booking the artist yet and I was like okay and like to be fair and in a very like fair and respectful way at that point of BPM there was a lot of ways a template of like you knew that we you knew that we were gonna have music on you knew that we were gonna have like paradise you yeah. knew that we were going to get a Carl Cox so I was able to bring in some creativity of artists that I wanted to interject and bring to the table and stuff. But those were for the few smaller venues, kind of like the experimental venues, if you will. Um, but yeah, it was great. I loved it. What I loved is, it. What do you think was your biggest learning from BPM? <sighs> hmm. Yeah, I have to like really, show, I mean, you know, I, BPM was a very emotional ride and had a very emotional point um, with the 10th anniversary. But I think the biggest lesson from, from BPM was, and what I'm still learning is boundaries and 
we were such a tight knit group who worked for that worked together with the directors we were family and we had to be professional and what I learned through BPM was how to balance that relationship you know and when you know what's going on in everybody's life you know what's going on in every director's life some very personal things but you still need an answer because you're against the deadline to produce their event. And then you're like, well, but they're having a hard day and I know that this is happening for them and I should leave them alone. Mm. And then you're actually ultimately scrambling at the end to meet a deadline or to get an answer just because of that knowledge where I feel like often in corporate world, like you don't know what the secretary assistant like is going through. You know, you don't know if they're, uh, you know, going through a divorce if their aunt has can't, you know, you don't know those things typically yeah. so intimately like we do with our in our world, you know. So that was definitely one of the biggest lessons. Um, and a lot about negotiation. I mean, I should also really mention that. Wow, like, yeah, I'll give you a lot of credit right now. Like that guy is incredible with negotiation. I just got to sit next to him and listen yeah. or be on coffee. Mm. yeah I learned so much and then I moved to your I mean also North Americans Mexico they negotiate very different than Europeans you know I moved to Europe and I'm like y'all it's so funny like they don't negotiate okay so what's the difference there like what is the biggest difference from working with North Americans to working here in Europe rules (laughs) laws that (laughs) no Wow. Yeah, no but, um, no, but it's just like, I have to go back to the negotiation thing. So like anything that, any number that I'm given or give, I think is negotiable. That's just how I learned. That's just what I learned from North America, from Central America, from BPM. And then here it's like, sometimes, I mean, I literally laugh. I, someone like, just for something simple, like printing and hanging up posters. Yeah. I give them a number ready to negotiate, assuming that they're going to want to ask for more, right? Because I am offering them something for their service and they're like okay and I'm like really <laughs> are you oh, sure you could have a 100 euros more out of me to be perfectly honest but like you didn't even try yeah, okay. wow uh, yeah. uh. and also the deals I mean in, in the U.S. every all of like the booking deals are all in right which mean like here's your fee get yourself there fly yourself there find your hotel we'll provide you transport and in Europe it's like of course not like you do it you get the meat plus the flight plus the hotel, yeah. you know. So that was also just a diff- different thing for me to learn. Do you prefer working one way or the other? Or is it more adapting rather than preferring to work how you worked before to now? It's so funny because when I was in Ibiza last year um, for Exhale, we had the residency at DC10. The BPM list came back out, like <laughs> the BPM list, like like and I like and I said in a fun way, like it it was fun. It's shot. It actually it scared me shitless first, uh-huh. but then I was like, I just like, I'm just literally carrying myself differently, and like this is how it's gonna be, and this is it. I don't know. It's more, it's more ghetto fab to be honest. <laughs> like the, the that version of myself, I have to say. And like the the people that I work with now with Exhale, like they have never seen that side of me. I'm like, no, I will fuck them up. Like I literally <laughs> said that about, you know. And they're like, whoa, who's this person? Who's where? Sorry, this is what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, 
And um, now I forgot the question. Sorry, I've been laughing so much because this is such a true statement. Like they were like, I literally scared the shit out of the, I know I'm swearing so much, sorry, but like I scared- You can swear as much as you want. We've had Nick Gates on here, it's fine. Oh yeah, fucking great. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, like I really- Went to this, and I, I, I don't, yeah, I think you're right. It was adaptable. It's an ad- adaptable thing, but it was shocking at first. It was really shocking. Mm-hmm. So I said, just like a European, it's just P's and Q's, you know, like it's pretty, it, it's less sharky, I feel like in Europe than less it is sharky. in, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. You had that, did you say six months period be- be- like between BPM and XL? Nine months. Oops. <laughs> Oops. It was. Did you have the best yeah. time though? At the best time, and I think about it often. <laughs> it was the first time I've had no responsibilities in my life. Like, I bet I mean, though. How was that for you? Because you went from such a high intense level of work, like full on mm-hmm. all the time, and then to all of a sudden having this nine months. Did you find it hard to? get up every day and really not have responsibilities and anything to do or was it kind of like this is what I needed well I had the support of my raving friends in Berlin who were all who were not having such nine to five or like intensive careers as me and I have to say they were a really big inspiration to make this change too because they just kind of looked at me and said whoa there's more to life than your job Mm. and I was like "Eh?" I love my job. My job is my life. My job is my passion. I love, I love music. They're like, are you enjoying it? And that's also what I meant before about coming to Berlin and being so enchanted by the club culture. It's like, it's a, it's a culture. It's a thing. It's a devotion to be a clubber here. So yeah, those nine months, they had difficult moments. For sure. I mean, for sure. It was just like, what am I doing? Mostly that. Who am I? If, if, who am I without a job? What is my value if I do not have a job? Um, and then it dissolved. And then in the end, I had a really good friend of mine from Amsterdam who also works in music. She called me. She's like, Alice. I'm like, hi. She's like, so what's up? I'm like, not much. Oh, I did this this weekend and that. She goes, and work. And I'm like, huh? What's <laughs> like, that? I think you should come back. Yeah, he's like, literally, like, literally. She's like, I think you should uh, maybe come to Deck Mental with me this summer and like get back in the game and reintroduce yourself to people that was also my fear that's why I never stopped before because you have this fear of like if I take a break will they forget me Mm. you know yeah I was so afraid of that um so I think her call was like yes they'll forget you you better hurry back in nine months (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah and that's it was an amazing you went there yeah yeah and I went there how did your job with Excel start? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so I went to Deck Mental. I just was like mingling. And then actually my job with Excel started because a friend of mine in Berlin was roommates with um, one of the managers from McCorma. And they were talking about me and this roommate and part of the McCorma team, Matt is his name, uh, found out that I used to manage the ticketing for BPM 
and Marcus Schultz, who's the owner of McCorma, was interested in learning more just about ticketing for artists and things like that. So I went in there with a really casual conversation. It was not a job interview. Mm. It was more like consultation or just exchanging information. I felt really proud of myself because it felt like something professional again. I'm like, here you go, Liz. And when we're sitting there, yeah, he showed me the Mixed Mag cover with Amelie Lenz and started talking a bit about Amelie. And I always say made the grave mistake of mentioning XL. And I'm like, what's XL? And he started telling me more about it. And I'm like, you know what I really do is brand management, which is also now that I think about it, a title I made up for myself too, but it's true. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I really do is brand. And he's like, oh, and then we talked more and I think he emailed me after I left and said, why don't you actually come down for an interview now? And I started working for McCormick and I was really originally set there to do again, helping with like setting up and seeing if we could sell tickets for our artists or how we got the ticket data, blah, blah, blah. And it just quickly shifted into like only Exhale. So now I'm the brand manager of Exhale and I've started with McCormick and Exhale in October, 2019. Yeah, that's correct. Wow, see, that's gone so quickly as well. So you've been there since 2019. I know. So as a brand Um, manager, for anybody that doesn't know, what what does your role consist of? What is your job um, as brand manager at Excel? Similar as when I described like BPM and project management, brand manager means that every single thing that Excel puts out there, produces, does, says ties back to the brand ethos and our brand ethos are all about community and part of my role with exhale whether it was intentional or not was really defining those ethos Mm. creating ethos and showing them through example of how what we do is always tying back to that and so it also, of course, was not my idea. It was inspired by Amelie, Amelie Lenz, like her idea of what Excel was. And for her, she just felt like the, the original idea behind it is like she receives so much great music and she meets so many talented underground artists that just need a chance. They just need a platform to be heard on. And of course, the, a bigger platform, the better. And she was so, and still is, of course, so grateful for the fact that she just got a chance. 2016 with second state like and how that changed her life she's like I have to it's kind of like her giving back to the yeah. community dance music to the world like here's your chance yeah and so like that's what we do I mean we just put out a, a release a VA and Katie like one of she was in Rome she's playing some track that was sent to her somehow she goes down after her gigs always to do photos and meet and greet the fans and this guy comes up to her, Amelie, Amelie, I'm Floor. You played my track. And she's like, oh my God, Floor, you're Floor. Like, wow, like, what a moment. He was just there raving, paid for his ticket on the dance floor. He's like, I don't even know how she got the track. And then they figure it out how, who one of his friends has sent it, whatever, the web. So like, that's what we're about at Exhale. It's like so many ways. Know giving back dreams come true and also like the barrier between dance floor and dj booth must dissolve there's no barrier there you know 100 it's 
And it's a beautiful thing because everybody that I work for feels equally as passionate about that. Like Amelie is so accessible to her fans and to people. And she really like also the first Excel event I ever went to, like when I just started working was ADE 24 hours event at Awakenings. A 24 hour event. I did not go for 24 hours. I, I, I went for 27. No, I'm joking. They, they, they couldn't know that about me yet. It was too early in the relationship. <laughs> yeah, <it was> scary. <laughs> but anyway, she grabs me. This is crazy. She grabs me and she points to the front line like of dancers and says, this is Jake. He's from the UK. This is Teddy. He's from France. This is Lorenzo. He comes to every show. He's from Italy. Literally, she starts, this is Dan. He's from the Netherlands. She knew all of their first names. She knew all of the country that came. And she went through like 15 or 20 people. Wow. And I was like, yeah, I was like, what? So she really creates strong relationships with her fans and is very, yeah. that's so nice. That's so nice. Yeah. Like, you know how I am as a person too. I value so much a relationship. So there's so much correlation of how we are as people, what we believe is important and stuff, but just makes it like, Literally, it makes it a, a joy to do projects together, mm. you know? How was Exhale at DC10? I mean, that was must have been such an exciting moment for you. It was super exciting. We also have exciting news, which I don't know when this will be published, but <laughs> just <clears throat> cover is coming. <laughs> um, but yeah, last year it was soon. It's coming out soon. I'll tell you guys more soon. Um, DC10 was a monster. DC10 was a beautiful monster. Mm. It was, um, like I said, it just reminded, it literally felt like I went back to Mexico coming to Ibiza. I was like, all right. The rules are, there are no rules. The rules are like, look good, be sharp. You know? <laughs> That's it. And Did it feel good having bringing that part out again, though? Or were you kind of... Traumatized me at first, and then it felt really good after a few weeks. Once I was in it again, I was like, literally, I can't, I, I can only snap to describe how I felt. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was great. It was amazing because, oh my God, there's people on the island that are dying for it. A lot of workers, I hate to say, but I don't know if you guys call them in a beat. It's other workers, people that are actually living and working on the island. Like, yeah. Love it. Yeah. And they were so excited that we were bringing something in. And again, like, I mean... I was like hanging over the DJ booth in DC 10, like giving out drink tickets. Like, fuck okay. <laughs> it. Like, you know? Get back <laughs> like, to the people. Get back to the people. Whatever. Yes, like, of course. Where was I at that point when you were giving out drink tickets? Because I didn't get one. Don't worry, DC 10. It was not so, so many, but it happened every once it was in a so while. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I just felt like, and we invited people kind of into the backstage area and working. I mean, like, I love those guys, like the DC 10 crew. They're hilarious, you know, yeah, they're too and funny. like, they're too funny and like respect because they have created something within the sea that is just like, you take it or you leave it. This is how yeah. it is. Yeah. Reduce a good time. And this is what it is. Yeah. And everybody's like, okay. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Sure. Okay. Okay. Yes. No, you're right. They're different. It's, it's different. It's, I always feel like when you talk about the clubs here in Ibiza and how they work, it's always like, yeah, you know, like Amizia, Pasha, Hayushraya, and then there's DC Ten. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> 100, like 100%. They're just different. It's totally, they're just different. And you know, like, I mean, I mean, everything, the aesthetic of the club is totally different. Yeah. How they've chosen to maintain and upkeep the club, you know, like, there's no fucking, like, they have, okay, sure, yes, they do. They do have the VIP tables, but they're way in the back. Like, yeah, pl- I didn't even these- know that there was VIP tables at DC10. I had to think about that. I was like, it- I don't know if people are at them so much, probably during Circle Loco. I'm sure they're busy during Circle Loco, but yeah. Like- I think there's like two or three VIP tables or something. <laughs> like way in the, yeah. Yeah. But I, that's not what it's like. Someone... That's not what it's about. If you want a VIP, yeah. go to high. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, yeah, so it was a great experience. It was a great experience. It was a wild experience. You just have to learn so much. Like Ibiza really operates completely differently than the rest of Europe. Completely different. How the deals are structured, how the promotion's done how you grab people, how people are being grabbed to go to the event. Like, I think we saw each other at the beginning of the summer and then we never saw each other again. That's what happens when you live in Ibiza. Like you see people at the beginning and you literally have to say goodbye to them. I'll see you in six months. I, I well, thank you. I learned that now. Like I, rem- I remember, I was like, I'm so sorry. Like I can't meet you. I'm yeah. only ten minutes away. And you're like, oh, babe, me either. Don't worry. And I'm like, yeah. okay. It's just how it works. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, we're I mean, gonna be more intentionally better this year, but we are. We are. Yeah, what do you think? What do you think is the h- most hardest part of your job? Oh, for sure, it's still a work-life balance. Mm. I think I'll spend. I mean, maybe I sure the tasks can be difficult, but like tasks, tasks are tasks. Maintaining the separation between personal life and setting up boundaries of when you stop emailing, when you get off your phone, is really a challenge for me, and I think a challenge for a lot of people. And mental health is a big topic in every industry, but I think in dance music, it's become more and more like people have brought more awareness around it, and. You have to just learn to shut off. I think it's so funny. Like the world won't end if we don't get back to our emails, which is something that I sometimes don't feel, you know, I have to be like the world. I literally like Liz, the world will not end. The world will not end. The world will not end. Like maybe five more tickets could be sold, but the world will not end. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, it's true. It's and true. that's what happens when you work in a, like, with this, because naturally the nature of the industry is we're all loving dance music most of us are participating and going to events and want to be in events anyway so it's just such a mesh it's a mesh of like when you're I totally agree with you it's like when you do decide to take off and you want to go and socialize you socialize in places where you actually work so you end up in the same industry in the same place it's a really funny thing that I don't think happens in any other industry because if in yeah. any other industry, if you, you want to shut off or you want to go and socialize, you will you will totally do that. You're not going to go back into, I don't know, if you work in like a factory, you're not going out of your factory. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you, you're not going to go. Yeah. If, but in our industry, because this is what we do as a living, you want to socialize, you go, you're going to go to the same places because that's the kind of music that you like. Because at the end of the day, we all love the music. And we all love the scene that we work in. So you end up going and it is, it's just it all mashes up together. It's a really funny thing. And I just don't think it probably really happens any anyone else. 
I don't think it happens in this. Maybe maybe we could say like for the entertainment industry, it could be similar. Yeah. So I also think, I don't know. I don't know what I say that, but entertainment industry, I feel like is yeah. like that. I'm laughing. Because, yeah, I'm laughing because I'm literally right now being like, okay, I want to just, I want to go on a holiday this summer. I just want to go to one festival that I would like to go to my, <laughs> like, it's so true. I took my first holiday in January. I literally hadn't been on ho- like a real, real holiday for like three or four years. I was like, let's go to Mexico. We'll go to Puerto Puerto Escondido. It's nice and chilled. But just before we get there, we'll just go by Tulum to go to Day Zero. <laughs> You're back in it. It was still big. Even Puerto Escondido in, uh, in January is like where the music scene is anyway. I know. I was literally sat in a beach bar and I was like, I know that guy. And I was like, nah, it can't be. And it's a DJ called Landy Can. And I was like, nah, no, no way is it him. And I'm sat there having my modelo on the beach drinking. And then I was like, I'm just going to check his Instagram. And it was like, playing tonight, Puerto Escondido. And I was like, and then I looked at the name of the bar and it was literally where he was playing. I was like, no way. Oh my God, hilarious. It's hilarious. But it's also the nice thing I was saying to somebody the other day that I love about our industry is like wherever you go in the world, you're always going to know somebody or you're going to have like a friend of a friend. Always, wherever you go. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I mean, it's the community. Like how many times, the few times we saw each other this summer, it's like, I'm going to be here. Me too. Woo. Yay. High five. See you there on the stage yes. for even that 20 minutes together. is like so nice and uplifting. Yeah. Truly. Yes. It's so nice. As again, going back to community, it's what it is. It's lovely. Exactly. Exactly. If just, you I just to- want our community healthy and take care of ourselves and each other, you know? Well, that's actually what I was going to say. What would, if if you could change one thing about the music industry, what would it be? Oh, God, guys, stop it. Everybody get along. (laughs) No, it's not true. Like, really, everybody remember you're allowed to take a break. You're allowed not to look at your phone. Mental health is so important. There's no shame around it. There's no shame to say no to something. And like, just take care of each other. I I know that like, personally, you know that I've been looking more into things like breath work and meditation. And it's just five minutes a day, counting in for five and out for five. If you got consecutively for seven days, you will really feel a difference in just how you operate and bringing yourself back to a point of being centered. And like, again, yeah, shut off your phone. I have a new thing. I put my phone on do not disturb from 11 p.m. until 8 a.m. Same time, 11 p.m. to 8 a.m. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I also have this like social media ban that I'm not allowed to look at social media until 10 a.m. Oh, that's a good one. I should put that on also. I should put that on also. Otherwise, um, like 8 a.m. Oh, let me see. And it's like, mm, yeah, why it's am I starting my day perfect. looking at somebody else's life, you know? Absolutely. And I hate, there's nothing that I think causes more anxiety than waking up, rolling over to turn off your alarm and seeing how many text messages you've received over the evening uh, or night. Yeah. And if you're one of those people that has email notifications on your phone, stop it. Oh, <laughs> how do people do that? I can't even email do notifications. No. What's happening? Like, I, I, I can tell. I know my boss has his email notifications because how does he write me a text about an email he got one minute ago when he's like, you know, on the road with his kids? I'm like, 
Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's my thing. Just take care of yourselves. Take time. Breathe. Literally yeah. breathe. And breathe. That's what I would like for things. Yeah. Okay. Your three biggest or most proudest moments in your career. Ooh. <clears throat> um, definitely the 10th year BPM lineup and putting that together we had a really big change before it happened so that was a really proud moment for me at least of the execution getting us there into a really hard moment second proudest for sure is just in february this year xl sold out our biggest capacity to date seven and a half thousand tickets and the event was in february and we sold out within like six weeks of putting tickets on sale november to december wow that was huge and third proudest thing, it's not really a, a one moment, but I'm just, I'm super proud of maintaining to who I am through all of this. And it's really hard. I'm going to drop it to be a female and to be in your early twenties and to be put in these crazy situations with DJs and artists and production and just there's so much going on and there's so much pressure or could be taken as pressure of who you should be and how you should look and how you should act and I'm really proud of myself that I've just with a lot of effort like maintained what's really important to me you know you just I'm proud of that I actually just feel oh. a little bit emotional oh yeah well you you know I it's know. hard I, it is and I know how so, hard I know I know how hard it is I don't know how hard you work yeah. and how much sh like shit goes on and it's not an easy industry he looks I know we obviously have a good time and it's fun and games but it's uh can be hard sometimes yeah yeah sometimes people sometimes people say some pretty hurtful things and they don't really mean it but they're just like heated up in the moment and yeah. they literally want to stay in the green room for 10 more minutes <laughs> you know <laughs> That's when I've gotten the most nasty comments from people is when I want to kick them out of the green room after they've stayed for another hour, you know? Yeah, anyway. literally. Okay, just literally. to end the podcast, I have two last things for you. Okay, first of all, I have this cards, okay? And on these cards are like, so it's called It's Not Your Normal Interview. And then <laughs> there is really random questions on all of them. Obviously, you can't pick them. So you're just going to tell me when to stop shuffling and then whatever anyway. is on top is going to be the question. Stop. Okay. Uh, Are you ready? Uh, I'm nervous. Yeah, go. <laughs> if, if you were a cheese, what cheese would you be and why? Oh, I've asked this question so much over the last couple of weeks. People are going to be like, why does she keep getting that question out? holding to you i would like to say as also as a tribute to vermont i would be cheddar because we're sharp we're edgy we have this like almost this soury taste but you still really like it you know and nothing 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 bites like a cheddar but fyi white cheddar orange cheddar is like against the rules just so you know sharp cabot cheddar i 100 percent <laughs> see that i love that answer I feel like you've thought about that one because that was really cool. I did it. That was so funny. It's not normal how easy that came to me. Like, <laughs> it's not normal. Whenever I have some cheddar now, I'm going to be like, hmm, 
face to face. And my last question for you is because the podcast is called Can You Put Me On Guest List? <laughs> this you're probably like the best person I could ever ask this question. <laughs> Do you have a guest list rule? Oh my God. Like, first of all, be kind. Do right because you're asking, not because you assume. Mm-hmm. If I tell you, yes, so be kind, ask, don't tell. And third thing, your ticket is coming. Don't message me all week asking about it. If I said the tickets are sent Friday at 1800, the tickets will be sent Friday at 1800. If it's Friday morning, don't text me about it. It's coming. The event's tomorrow. I know the event is tomorrow. I'm hosting it. (laughs) And also tit for tat. Like if I hook you up, you better hook me up. up. Yes. A hundred percent. It took me a really long time. It took me a really long time to understand I could do that. You know, do you sometimes feel bad asking people for guest lists? Oh my God. All the time. It's ridiculous. What you. Okay. No, no, I lied. Okay. I used to, it's gotten better in the past few years, but because I don't know if you remember from BPM, anybody who was the manager or artist for BPM will, we were dicks about guest lists. Like the answer was always no. Yeah. <laughs> like literally we made our deadline like six weeks before the event because nobody could meet it we knew it <laughs> like yeah so, but that made it actually made it worse because then they were begging and begging and begging me so then I, I did hook people up but of course I was calculated I was like well who's the event well I want to go to last minute someday okay Jamie your people can come <laughs> like whatever you know just in <laughs> case I ever want to drop into paradise <laughs> <laughs> Be kind, don't assume, and don't follow up about the tickets. They're coming. They're coming. Good advice. Good advice. Yeah. I could literally sit here and chat with you forever. Well, I just couldn't in general about everything and anything, really. Aww, We're going to have to everybody. We're so proud of you, too, and you're such a legend, and you've always kept to your, to your own and what you believe in also. So it's a pleasure to know you personally and professionally, seriously. I'm proud of you. The feeling is very mutual feeling is very mutual and I'm so so happy this has been one of my favorite conversations on the podcast so far I have to say without you're lying I'm not joking I'm not joking this is so nice you're that Yates Uh (laughs) oh you're that that chief (laughs) I also I listened to his this is also really funny I also was listening to Emma Hosh and I was like oh my god Emma Hosh I'm also gonna swear all the fucking time (laughs) oh Emma was great Emma's so great. She's lovely. I can... Such a ledge. Such a ledge. Anyway, darling, well. Well, next time we chat, well, you're here in Ibiza soon. I am. I will be arriving full time as of July 1st. Okay, I like that little wink. Okay. Watch this Yeah, yeah, we think. Watch this space. Things are coming. Inhale. So this time we'll just exhale. Exhale. And exhale. And exhale. <laughs> exhale. Something's coming. <laughs> <laughs> I love you so much. I love you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you so so much, and uh, enjoy your sunny Friday afternoon in Berlin. Enjoy your sunny like every day at Visa Friday. I will. <laughs> I love okay. You. <laughs> love you. Bye.